confession this morning. Let's just sing together, worship the Lord. God will not reject your prayers. God will not reject your prayers, for brain makes you
our voices. Let's have the musicians continue to play now as we just worship Him. in the praises of your people this morning, O oh God, as we lift your name, as we sing praises to the name of Jesus. For you are God alone, you are alone of war, worthy of all of the praises, all of the glory and the honor and the worship this morning, Lord. We magnify your name, Father. Blessed be your name this morning, O oh God. How we love you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to go to prayer in this atmosphere now. If the brothers would just like to come and prepare for the morning offering after. I'm going to ask our brother Tom if he would just come and open the service for us in a word of prayer. We do want to continue to remember those in our midst needing a touch from the Lord. Our sister Heidi Neighbor and our sister Ruth Frederick has been in a lot of pain as well. And the doctors are saying it's going to be five, six weeks before they can get her in for an operation on her hip. Asking the Lord to touch her and be a shield for the pain for her. Also our sister Louise, many needs in the body. Let's just continue to remember them as our brother Tom comes. Good morning. God bless you. We often sing a chorus, in the good times, praise his name. And in the bad times, you do the same. And we, we know we have a God that is constant. We have a God that never changes. We have a God that is faithful to us in our times of trials and tribulations. And this morning we received the sad news. On this side it's sad. On the other side of glory it's not so sad. But our brother Gideon Retief has suffered a heart attack. This morning had an accident. His dear wife, Sister Kathy, is in critical condition. And we don't know much more than that. So we know that there's a family in need. We know that there's a church in need. And Brother Gideon was a faithful servant of God. He has blessed our church. And he's been here a number of times. His last service was a paramount service. I've embedded in my heart. 
and uh, we have a great love for the Retief family. So we want to remember uh, the saints in South Africa, in Johannesburg, South Africa. And indeed, we want to remember also our dear brother Milko. He was taken to the hospital with some complications. And uh, we just want those complications to dissolve. And we want to see Brother Milko restored. And, of course, our sister Ruth that was mentioned and sister Heidi Neighbor. And if you have a need this morning, don't make this just a, just a, just raise your hand. If you have a need, we have a God that can meet that need. And so it's not something we do as a formality. It's something that we do in honesty of heart, Lord. You know our needs. And they are many. Some unspoken. Some you can hardly even utter. But in those times of groaning, that's when my God comes on us. Heavenly Father, we approach your most holy throne of grace. You're an awesome God. And it is your wonders to perform amongst the children of the living God. And so, Lord, we approach you this morning with thanksgiving in our hearts. Lord, the world changes and is in a constant change. But your word declares, I'm the Lord God that changes not. So, Father, we know you as a deliverer. We know you as a comforter. We know you as a healer, Lord. And we're praying, God, that you will strengthen the church of the living God in South Africa this morning. We remember the Retief family this morning. We remember all those that have been affected by this precious brother, Gideon Retief, that has gone on to be with you. We pray that the great comforter himself will minister deeply to the church that is there that he was pastor over. We pray, Lord, that you will move in a supernatural way. Lord, we might not understand these things, but we know a God that is in control of all matters. It might catch us by surprise, but it'll never catch you by surprise. You've called your servant home, and Lord, you have a purpose in doing so. We pray for Sister Kathy. Lord, I don't even know if she knows that her husband has gone on, but I pray that you'll be in that little room, that little hospital room, We have a people that are agreeing together. Lord, we're not being moved by sympathy. We're being moved by faith. And you're a God that could raise her up for the glory of God. And so, Lord, I'm asking that you will move in that little room, that you will touch her, heal her, raise her up for the glory of God. No less than you will do for Brother Milko, Brother EVA, Sister Ruth, Sister Heidi, for the hands that have been raised amongst this assembly. Lord, we are not a defeated people. We are going on the attack, and we go after the devil this morning. We stand on, thus saith the Lord. You're the mighty conqueror. And Lord, we're standing behind the great defense of the great offense of God. So, Father, we're committing all things to you. Lord, the morning offering that will be taken, we pray that you will use it for the benefit of the gospel. Souls will be one as those that will give, Lord. Let them not give grudgingly. Let them give liberally. And let this gospel go forth and catch that last seed so that we can come to be around that great throne of grace. We just pray for everyone now. Our dear brother Neville that will minister the word of the Lord. Lord, as Brother Timothy 
As Pruitt spoke Wednesday night, it was the mind of God. So let the mind of God come forth this morning, anointing our precious brother Kisselu. Pastor, Lord, I pray that you'll use him in a mighty way, comforting hearts, dealing with situations. Let the word go forth and heal the people. We ask it all for the glory of God in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. In the good times, why don't you just sing that as the, you may be seated and we take the offering. Amen. Sister Clements and the group that's singing with her, if they would come and go ahead and get ready at this time. We don't want to delay the service any longer, give Brother Neville his freedom. So why don't you come, if you would, and just get ready while we sing this another time or two. Oh, yes, in everything.
besoin de toi. Oh, oh, oh. 
the Lord. Thank you. Amen. Let's just sing together, magnify the Lord with me as we invite our brother Neville to come now and bring the word, I sought the Lord. 34, there we go. I sought the Lord, oh, and he answered me and delivered me. Just praise our voices now and worship Him. Our radiance will never be ashamed. Oh, no, they'll never be ashamed. This poor man. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
worship him in our own way for a moment. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I have tasted and seen, Lord, of the goodness of God. And I give you thanks from my heart, Lord, for your faithfulness. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Lord, as we've heard the choir sing, Lord, the barren give birth, the paralyzed weep for joy, the blind eyes can see. Lord, diseases are healed, Lord, you're still the same. Lord, you're still the same God that you've always been. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Maybe we could just sing that chorus, the same God, as we just turn to the ministering of the word now. I look back on history, let's sing that. I look back on history, I see the mighty God. actually believe that do you believe you're the book of acts amen do we believe that we're the church of the book of acts you know, there are some amazing uh, statements when the church was being pushed out into a whole new experience and never had they heard those wonderful words until it was uttered there's no other name under heaven where men could be saved but in the name of Jesus Christ. They had never heard those words before. They'd never heard silver and gold, have I none? But such as I have, I give you thee. 
in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and be healed. God has given us a word today, saints, that it doesn't matter what you have need of. That word is here to meet your need and your desire. And I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe God has brought Brother Neville here at this junction of time. And if you said, well, I've never heard it before. Well, there's a lot of things they never heard until they heard the man of God speak. May the man of God speak this morning and speak to your hearts. And so we welcome Brother Neville, Neville Kizalu, pastor of Bethel Tabernacle. We invite him and we give him the right hand of fellowship and we welcome him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you, brother. greet you this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And may the Lord richly bless you. And before we bow our heads for prayer, I was thinking if we can sing how deep the Father's love for us. Because when we see what he has done today, his love is so deep. Brother Ryan, can you help me? How deep the Father Amen. 
Father, dear Lord Jesus, what a great God you are, Lord. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for calling us today through the voice of Malachi 4. We are unworthy people. Lord, you could have chosen other people, but you looked at us, filthy things, unworthy people. And that's why we come this morning, O oh Lord, to love you, to worship you, to commit our lives to you. Because you are the one who created us. And you placed us, O oh God, on earth so we can serve you. Lord, we invite you this morning. Won't you come? Your prophet said, man is God's agent. You always use a man. So we are asking you this morning, Father, put us aside. Come down, O oh God. You know the needs of your people. Lord, there is no way as human beings we could say something that would strengthen your children. May you come. Take the man and speak yourself. Lord, if there is anything wrong among us, we lay it down at your feet, at your cross. May you forgive us, O oh Lord. Wash us by your blood. Lord, we are depending on you. We are coming this morning. We want to feel you in our hearts. Won't you come, O oh God? Make our hearts your very throne. Make us your dwelling place. Speak of Father. Bless this church. Bless our pastor, Brother Bisco. Strengthen him, O oh God, where he is. We love him, Father. And thank you for putting such a marvelous gift among us. Help us, O God, to obey to the man of God. May you bless Brother Tom. Bless the rest of the ministry. Bless each one of us. All together, those who are present here and those who are streaming the service. Lord, our faith looks up to thee. Take us by the hand. Lead us, O Lord. We are inviting you. Your prophet said, wherever you are invited, Father, you always go. Come, O oh God. We love you as we dedicate ourselves to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. May God bless you. Uh, let's open the Bible before we sit down. Once more, we greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a pleasure for us to come back and try to speak to the saints of God. 
we are not worthy. I'm worthy to be standing before you and also to have this great, of, great man of God in front of me. Uh, I would prefer for me to be sitting there and listen to them. I've been blessed to each one of them. But the Lord has fallen up, upon me, so I'm asking you to pray for me. Let's open the Bible, 2 Kings chapter 5. So we will continue on the prophets. And that will be part two, the prophet part two. And today we'll see the prophet as the mouthpiece of God. There is no way you can cover all of that in one service again. <laughs> Impossible. But we'll see what the Lord can do. Second King, the fifth chapter from the first verse. And may the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord has given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. But the Branham says, whatever you read in the Bible, they speak about a woman, it's a church. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophets that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Listen carefully what that little girl is saying. We have a prophet in my country. If only my Lord would have been there, something would happen. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill or to make alive, that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. No, he's not seeking a quarrel against you. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know 
that there is a prophet in Israel. Because the book of Revelation says he has made us kings. So when you are in trouble, (laughs) we have a prophet in the land. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariots and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall be come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. The prophet is not going out to meet with him. He's sending him one of, maybe one of the ministers in the church. Go tell him this and that. Let's see what happens. But Naaman was wrought and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana or Parfa or rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. So every time you see somebody is against the prophet, something is going on. Something wrong is there. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet has bid thee to do some, some great thing, will this thou not have done it? How much rather than when he said to thee, wash and be clean. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him. And he said, Behold now, I know that there is no God in all the earth, but in Israel. Now therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. He knew there is a great God on earth, because of a prophet. The Lord God didn't meet him. He only met the prophet, but when he saw that prophet, he recognized there is a God on earth and in heaven. But the prophet said, as the Lord liveth, before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Shall we pray? Father God, thank you for your inspired word. Now we ask you to come, give us the inspiration, and send us the same anointing that was going everywhere with your prophets to preach the message of the hour and give deliverance to the bride. Grant it, O Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. And let me add one more scripture, 2 Chronicles 20, 20. 2 Chronicles 20, 20. And I want you to keep this advice the rest of your life. And they rose early in the morning 
and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established, and believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. Ye shall prosper if ye believe his prophets. Again, may the Lord bless bless the reading of his holy word. And thank you so much, Brother Tom, for the invitation to come back. And I want to also thank our pastor, Brother Ed Bisco. We love him very much. He's so dear to us. And I always thank the Lord constantly for keeping him until today so he can encourage us. I think we truly need to honor such men of God. As I said in my prayer, church, man is God's agent. The prophet says God cannot do anything unless he has a dedicated man. The devil also is powerless without a man. So we are grateful to the Lord to have him as our pastor. Myself, I consider him as my dad. He is truly a father to me. And may the Lord richly bless him, bless Sister Ruth, bless his whole family, and bless the church here. So I extend my greetings to you from Bethlehem Tabernacle, my church. We are in the D.C. area, Washington, D.C. area in the States. It's a small church, and I have another group in Ottawa and another group in Toronto here in Canada. So pray for me as I'm pastoring all these little groups. It's not easy, but we believe with God everything is possible. And the Lord, by his grace, he gave us a big land. We're thinking to build a tabernacle, but one of the neighbors, she's complicating a little bit. He was telling us that if you build a church, the property values in this area will go down. I said, no, I don't believe so. (laughs) Because I was asking him, what made America what it is now? It is the gospel. And even in the front of the White House, we have churches. And I don't think you'll be able to buy the White House. And I was telling him, actually, if we build a church there, I think the property values will go out. Gap. It will go up. But the other neighbors told me, Pastor, I think this is a spirit. Let's pray and let's see what God will do. But since we heard the need was really there, and we saw a church that came up on the market, so I told the church, let's buy this church first. So we bought the church. We will see, Brother Tom, if we'll have time to dedicate it, we'll let you know. So pray for us. Pray for us. We want to please God. Amen? So this morning, we'll continue with the prophets, because it's a great teaching, especially in this day. Because if you get the revelation, who a prophet is, 
nothing will overcome you in this generation. It's amazing to see how the Lord has used this very humble man. Before we get to that, let's read Mark 6. I won't be too long today, this morning, and just pray for me again. Mark 6. And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence had this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judah, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. As a result, verse 5, And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk, and heal them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Even the Lord was marveled. How come in my own house they cannot believe me? How come this prophet God has sent him to you? You Americans, you Canadians, and you are rejecting him. So the Lord is asking himself what's going on. You have rejected your opportunity. So wake up. Brother Barnum said, my message was not successful in America. I always remind my church, remember where you are. You are in America. The United States and Canada, I put them together. <laughs> to me, that's America. You are the one who separated, who gave all the names. To me, it's the same. It's the same country. The prophet says, my message has not been successful in America. He said it was wonderful overseas in other countries. Because that's the fulfillment of Mark 6, 1 to 6. And I have many scriptures there. The prophet, this is what he says. Before I get into the prophets, in the church and its condition. Now we come to church to better ourselves. We come to church to better ourselves. We come to make ourselves better people. Better Christians better citizens, 
better fathers, better mothers, better neighbors. We come because Christ has told us if we would come, ask anything in his name, where we are assembled together, as many as two or three, he should be with us and will grant it to us. So that's why before we come before you, we need to stay before the Lord. We need to plead the cause before the Lord, asking him, Lord, use me. Say something through me that will bring your people closer to you, that will make them better people, better brothers, better citizens, better sisters, better fathers, better mothers, better children. Because Brother Branham says, I think in the message, God hiding in simplicity, then revealing the same. He says, for no matter how beautiful the structure is, that we certainly do appreciate, but the beauty of the church is the character of the people. And I trust it, it will always be a house of God, of beauty. Now, how God is going to make you better people? What tools he has in his hands? Let's read Ephesians chapter 4. That's why you see all these people standing behind me. This is God's way, how he does things. And I like the prophet God has sent us. He says, when God does something in his word, he won't change it. That's the best way to begin with. He won't change it before times changes. Before you become more modern, it will stay the same. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. If I give you this call, this is my computer's call. I give it to you. It's a part of me I'm giving you. Now that he ascended, what is but that he has also descended first into the lower parts of, of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all, hev- all heavens, that he might feel all things. And he gave some apostles. Can we say amen? amen? He is the one who makes men apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints. So when you come to church, God will raise up among you brothers he will put all these ministries in them, and that's how he will make you better, better citizens. These gifts. That's why you saw, when you see these brothers sitting there, be careful. You need to get the revelation. Just want to remind you. For the perfecting of the saints. There is no way you will get perfect. There is no way when God does something, it will stay like that. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. 
till we all come in the unity of faith, of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we, henceforth, be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, but the slight of man and cunning, craftiness, whereby they lie in way to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. That's why you see, we have in church all these gifts among us. And you'll see, even in the message, questions and answers on the seals. Paragraph 233, they asked Brother a question. Brother Branham, would the bride of Christ have a ministry before the rapture? Brother Branham, would the bride of Christ have a ministry before the rapture? He says, sure. That's what's going on right now. See, the bride of Christ, certainly. It is the message of the hour. The bride of Christ. Sure. She consists of apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. He asked the question to the congregation, is that right? Congregation says, amen. That's the bride of Christ. Sure. She's got a ministry. Great ministry. The ministry of the hour. It will be so humble. You will see a humble brother there, but he's full of God. <laughs> if you trust that gift, you will see you will become perfect. He continues in the message of grace. He says, but then there are five offices in the church. First is apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, and pastors. That's ordains offices of God. And a man hold them. See? You can't wish for them. I cannot stand this morning, come before you, and pray God say, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a prophet. <laughs> I want to be an apostle. You cannot wish for them. They are sovereignly given. You are born with. The first time your mommy takes you in the hand after he, she gives birth, if God has put a gift in you, you are born with that gift. And you'll see in your life, God will be controlling you. You want to do bad things? He tells you, be careful. There is a work for you to do when you get older. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Because he's giving these gifts in his sovereignty. That's why be careful. Respect this man. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever. 
But God, and for the perfecting of the church, has set in the church apostles. You say apostles? So they are apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and so forth. Them are selected by God alone. No matter how much you go to school, how well you are educated, how well what you want to preach, if God hasn't called you to be a preacher, you'll never make it. That's right. You'll just be a stumbling block in a real preacher's way. When I see the prophet says this, before I even stand before people, I need to make sure he has called me. Because he answers prayer. I'll go before him, tell him, Lord, I'm truly sincere. If you haven't called me, don't, don't let me do something you haven't called me for. That's exactly. Gifts and callings are without repentance, correctly. I'll rather... My boy, be, my boy be a preacher than anything I know of. But God will have to do that. That's right. No one else can do it. That's right. God will have to do it. God will have to call this man. Otherwise, nothing will happen. You know, Brother Branham, he went through many experiences in his life. And in this message, Hebrews chapter 5 and 6, part 1, he says, Oh, I know there are many rise up and go out and say, Oh, I don't need to go to church anymore. We have people today. <laughs> they say, No, I don't have to go to church anymore. This is the prophet who is talking. Praise God, the Holy Ghost has come. He's the teacher. Yes, sir. I don't have to go to church. He can teach me. But Abraham says, when you get that idea, you are just wrong. You are wrong. For why did the Holy Ghost set teachers in the church? If he was going to be the teacher. See? They are first apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. The Holy Spirit set teachers in the church so he could teach through the teacher. That's how God works. He is the guide. The Holy Spirit is guiding us. That's true. But... He uses men to do so, to do his work. He is the great teacher, but to teach you, he is going to use one of these men you see there. That was. That's what the prophet God sent us, he's teaching us. And let me tell you, when I see the prophet say something, I grab it, that's it. No matter what happens, I stay with what he taught us. You remember when he went to the other side, they told him, he asked the question, will Paul be judged? You remember that? Yes. 
They told him, yes, he'll be judged. Am I going to be judged? Yes, he'll be judged. He said, I thought exactly as Paul. Well, he said, baptize me in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I did the same. And all the saints said, we are standing on that. And that's where I'm standing this morning. He continues. Because you'll see, when Brother Branham saw the preview of the church, in the message, choosing of a bride, he was crying when he saw the state of the church, especially the American church. But Abraham was crying in that vision. He said, God has heard as preachers and we brethren have labored to get you a bride. And that's the best we could do. So you see the prophet, he is taking all this ministry, Lord, myself, and the rest of the minister. We have been laboring to get you a bride. Look what we are presenting to you. And he continues. Clover there, by the way, remember these few words. Remember my exhortation this morning. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the exposition of the seven church ages, the prophet says, now God, this is beautiful to me, now God kept raising up not only the messengers to each age, but he raised up some wonderful helpers. For those messengers, helpers. You know when God met Moses, Moses' excuse was, I cannot speak very well. What did God tell him? I read you that scripture last time when I was preaching here. Who remembers? Who remembers? Tell me. Yes. With who remembers? Really? You know, we live in an age we forget a lot. <laughs> now I understand why the prophet was repeating almost the same thing over and over. Almost in each message, he will talk about the deity of Jesus Christ. And then he adds in a little bit. In the next message, he goes back to that. Because this age, we forget a lot. Do you know why? Do you know why? The screens. The screens. In Brother Branham's time, he said, they carry out a study in Arizona. They saw that many children, they have mental deficiency. The intelligence went down. The memory went down because they are watching too much the screens. Imagine today. You live with the screen. You sleep with the screen. Actually, the last thing you look at, you look at before you go to bed is a screen. So you go with that mental deficiency when you sleep. 
That scripture was Exodus chapter 4. When Moses said, oh Lord, I cannot speak easily. God told him, you have your brother Aaron, the Levites. He can better speak. He will speak for you to the people. And we know, according to this message, Levites are ministers in the New Testament. They can explain these things very well to the people. And that's why God is raising up apostles, teachers, prophets, pastors, and evangelists for the perfecting of the church. That's what Brother Barnum is saying here. God kept raising up not only the messenger to each age, but raised up some wonderful helpers for those messengers. He gave every age some wonderful men of God, and they did everything they could to bring the church back to God. Your pastor is there to bring you back to God. The ministry is there to bring you back to God. That's why we need to respect them. That's God's law. You cannot go above God's law. He continues. Still in the exposition of the seven church, church ages. Now I want to say that I believe in leadership. Do you believe it? Yes. I believe in leadership. But it's not the leadership of men I believe in. I believe in the leadership of the Holy Ghost coming through the world. I believe also that God has set men in the church. Follow me very well. Because today, sometimes I don't understand what message people are reading. I see some people now, they don't have a pastor. They don't have a pastor. They don't have a guide. I understand that the spirit of Laodicea. The rights of the people. But my prophet says, I believe also that God has set men in the church. Men who are gifted by the Spirit. And they will keep the church in order. I believe that. I believe also that the church is ruled over by men that God sends to take charge. God will raise them up. That's why I was telling you, you cannot pray for these gifts. God gives them. He knew you before the foundation of the world. He, he knows your nature and everything. And even before you come to the world, he will put that gift in you. And you are born with that gift here on earth. Because he knows he's going to give you his church. Look, my brother, the church is more precious than the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe it? I'll give you an example. I have a lot of money in the bank. Let's say $100,000. I want to buy a car. Maybe SUV. And they tell me it's $100,000. Now, the car is like the church. My money is like the life of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ. What would you do 
If you love that car, what would you do? Are you going to keep the money? You'll surrender the money. You'll bring money to the dealer, to the car dealer. And you'll get the car, and you'll go because the car is more precious than the money you had in the bank. That's what Jesus did to, give, to have us, the church. He gave up his blood. He gave up his blood, his life. So we have more value than his own blood. Now, when my car is $100,000, whether you are my friend, you ask me, I want to have it at some point to drive it, I'll tell you, no, 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 please. Don't do that. If I commit my 1000 car to a friend, that means I trust him. And that's what God did. The church is so precious. He takes you. He gives you to a man to guide you. To do so, God must trust that man. He will come himself in that man to lead you. Because it's not the man that's leading you. It's God through a man. I believe also that the church is ruled over by men so that it's not men really ruling, but the Spirit of God. For the world and spirits are one. Amen. These are the principles in the house of God. He continues. I'll skip some quotations. Brother Michael, I think you have them. You can take over where I'll stop. Now, he's speaking about the Nicolaitan. Why is this such a terrible thing? It is terrible because God has never placed his church in the hands of an elected leadership which moves with political mindedness. God takes this thing, his church, which is precious to him, he will give it to a man, to the man's hands. He has placed his church in the care of God-ordained, spirit-filled, world-living men who lead the people through the feeding them, the world. He will take you. He will give you to a pastor that will feed you with the world. That's why it's really important, the choice that you make of your church. But Abraham says, the church is the boat that will bring you to your final destination. It's like when you are in a plane. Everything is out of your control. If the pilot wants to kill you, he will kill you. There is nothing that you can do. Every time I'm sitting in a plane, I said, Lord, I commit my life to you. If this man, he wants to do this, he will do it. It's the same for a church. Because Brother Branham says, churches have spirits. Churches have spirits. 
and how spirits come to, into churches. Jesus said, says, my words are spirits and life. The teaching that they give you, what they teach you in the church, that's what you'll become. What you eat, that's what you become. He continues. You remember, I think it was Philip and the eunuch in the Bible. I think it Acts 8. Let's read it first. To show you, for you to be saved, God must anoint a brother among you that will speak to you. That's how you will be saved. Can we say amen? amen? That's God's law. God's way of doing things. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip. The angel of the Lord. The Lord himself. Why God cannot go to save the eunuch? He wants to send a brother by the name of Philip. He was, the angel of the Lord was more than able to talk to the eunuch. And straight away, he will go into the uh, water of baptism. But why he's sending Philip? A brother. A man born in sin. But he has washed by his blood. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship. He went to a church. Maybe they made a lot of noise, a lot of singing and so on. Nothing happened in his heart. He's going back to Ethiopia very sad. Why did I go to that church this morning? So I keep telling God, don't let me go speak to your children. And then when they go back home, they start wondering, why did I go to church? That's why if God doesn't call you, don't come here. You will do more harm than good. He went to Jerusalem to worship. He went to church. But nothing happened. He's going back home very sad. He was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah, the prophet. He said, okay, let me read the Bible, even though I didn't get anything from the church. Let me read the Bible. Maybe God can speak to me. In his car. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Why the Spirit, why the angel of the Lord is not going himself? He's sending Philip, a brother. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? Because when God puts his gifts in some of your brothers, when they read the message, they come and they read the same quotation to you and say, oh, it's, it's like I never read it before. 
He was reading the book of Isaiah. Now Philip is asking, Are you, do you understand what the prophet said there? And he said, I lack his answer. How can I accept some man should guide me? Today, God children, they don't want to be guided. But this man says, how can I understand the message of the hour if no man is guiding me? If God cannot call his man, how would I understand? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. But they come. And Philip was called by Jesus Christ. He was a true minister. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb down before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. And in his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from, for the earth, from the earth. It's like today he was reading Malachi 4. Behold, I will send unto you Elijah the prophet. He was not understanding. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Now see what will happen. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. As Philip was talking, something was happening in the heart of the eunuch. And they see water. And the eunuch said, it's not Philip who is telling me, you must be baptized. You must be baptized. You don't see the water. No. He's just laboring, talking to him. Talking to him. This is what the prophet said. Oh, that's true. This is what the prophet said. This is what the prophet said. This is what the prophet said. He was so convinced as they were traveling, they saw water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both in the water, into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come out, come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing, because he was saved. And Philip was found at Azotus. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. He was saved because of a simple brother, humble brother that God sent him. And that's what the prophet says in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 12. I love the book of Timothy. Sometime I'm kneeling down. Praying God, asking him, oh God, do me as you did to Timothy. 
Timothy was very faithful to the prophetic word of his day. His day. He was very faithful to what Paul taught. And Paul was so glad with him that he was calling him my son. Sometime I spend on my knees the whole book until I read it, telling God, this is what you said for Timothy. Do it for me also. Toward this message. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, Give attendance to reading. Read the message to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Now listen. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Your teaching, pay attention what you tell people. Because I told you, churches have spirits. And how spirits come to church? By what you say. What Jesus said, My words are spirit and life. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. That's how you'll be saved. When God is raising up men of God here, they dedicate themselves. To, to God. When they come before you, they speak to you. You receive the word of God. That's how you'll be saved. That's God's way of doing things. In Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 3, what Abraham said, who was Paul? He was a staunch Hebrew, a scholar, and a great teacher of the Old Testament. And he had been taught by one of the best men of his day. Somebody tell me what his name was. Ah, that one you know. Very good. Let's clap for you. (laughs) Let's clap for yourself. (laughs) Gamaliel. One of the greatest teachers of his day. And Paul had sat at the feet of Gamaliel. There is something about where you go. There is something about where you go to church. What church you go to. And what teacher teaches you. Something about. Did you know that? It got something to it. Therefore... We ought to seek out the very best that we can find. So we're getting the best. Not because it's sociable and so forth, but the real Bible teaching. That's why when you choose a pastor, when you choose a church, 
don't look, don't look at something else. Is the world there? Is God there? If he's there, I will go there. If God is not there, I'm not going. Chesabel, religion, that's what Brother Barnum says. When I'm going to different places, usually people come and ask me, I have a problem of marriage and divorce. What do you think, Brother Branham? He was the pastor of the age, but listen what he says. He says, I always refer them back and say, ask your pastor. That's where Brother Branham was here. He's referring you back to your pastor. How much more now is no more there? But today, people don't have pastors. I refer them and say, ask your pastor. People write me letters here and say, what about this and what about that? I refer the letter back. You'll get it. See your pastor in a little things because after all, he is the shepherd, your shepherd. He is the one that God sent to watch over you. So I'll rather your pastor tell you about marriage and divorce and these things and them things. Let him do it. He is God's servant too, and he is equipped to do that. Because when God calls a man, he will equip him to do that job correctly. Probably I need to jump to the prophet's teaching, the prophet. But I don't want to come here and I was telling God, I'm just putting these quotations together in the scriptures. I'm praying, lead the service. I don't want to come with my own intelligence. And then I speak and I speak and then nothing happens in your heart. That's a failure for the service. But Abraham says, the biggest service of our ministry. Do you know where was it? He said it was Bombay, India. Not because I was able to bring together 500,000 people. He said it wasn't because of how many people were there. He said the touch of the Holy Spirit in the meeting. Can we say amen? The touch of the Holy Spirit in the meeting, that's what makes a meeting a great meeting. You can feel the Holy Spirit as the meeting goes on. That's the greatest meeting. The problem says, now remember in the message, the spoken word is the original seed. Now remember, God never committed. God never committed his preaching and his gospel to an angel. Do you believe it? Amen. How many knows that? How many knows that Galatians 1.8 said, if an angel come from heaven, preach something else beside 
they had preached, let it be accursed. God came down below angels to preach the gospel. He left the angels. He came below the angels and committed it to men, which were sons. That's why you see, instead of the angel going to Philip, uh, to the eunuch, he's sending Philip because that's God's law. He came below the angels. He committed the preaching of the gospel to men. They are sons. He never committed it to angels. Notice he did not do it. But let me tell you, if you see an angel coming down, most of you, you will fall down there. You'll be crying, oh God, thank you. Thank. But when the pastor is preaching, sometimes you don't even say amen. That's what Brother Branham says. Martin, the messenger, he was sitting studying. And you saw an angel came down in his office. Martin, worship me. Martin, worship me. He said, no, that's too much pressure. <laughs> Martin was thinking, when Isaiah saw him in the temple, he was the one who fell down. The Lord didn't even ask him, worship me, worship me. What's going on with this one? As he was watching him, the scriptures was going in his mind. Isaiah was not asked to worship him. No. All the prophets, they were feeling themselves. They see the Lord. Oh, Lord, help me. I'm an unworthy person. But how come this one is coming, pressurizing me? That too much pressure. Worship me, worship me. Martin says, Satan, go away. And Satan left. But Abraham says, if it were today, it would have been a bait. Even message believers, you would have worshipped Satan. Because we ignore the scriptures. He continues. What I'm says, although an angel directed Philip to him, but the germ of life had to come through the body. Philip. But Abraham said, oh brother, now we are on the line. Where did the germ came from? Through the angel? The angel showed him where to go. An angel is a messenger. Here is a son. Philip heard the germ, the message, the word. That's what I was telling you. This man that you see there, pray for them so that every time they come before you, God will put something in them. As they speak, you will be blessed. Let me read you something and then I'll get into the prophet. That's my way of saying hello to you. The prophet says, that's why I love one another. Cloverdale, by the way, love one another. Can you give me an amen? amen? Love one another. It's astonishing, but Abraham says, I prefer in my church not have any gifts at all, but only have love. That's why he says, Revelation chapter 4, part 3. And little church, I admonish you 
in the name of the Lord Jesus to grow in the grace of God. Hold yourself steady and look towards Calvary all the time. Taking all the roots of bitterness out of your heart and soul. That God might use you at any time. Even in your relationship. Husbands and wives. Get that root of bitterness out of you. Love one another. Pray for one another. You know, I will read you a piece of an article. Not all the article. About forgiveness. The title, it's a scientific article. The title is The Deadly Consequences of Unforgiveness. Deadly Consequences of Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is classified in medical books as a disease. Now it's a disease. God doesn't lie. When he says in his Bible, forgive one another, he knows. He doesn't have to explain to us why. He just speaks. It's up to you and me to believe and to obey. Now man is discovering it's a disease. According to Dr. Stephen Standifor, chief of the surgery at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America, Refusing to forgive makes people sick and keeps them that way. With that in mind, forgiveness therapy is now being used to help treat diseases such as cancer. You go to the physician, some physician, they will ask you, do you forgive? <laughs> if you don't forgive, you'll get lessons so you can start forgetting. And they see your treatment will become successful. God doesn't lie. Amen. Of all cancer patients, 61% have forgiveness issues. I don't know in the church this morning what the percentage of unforgiveness among us. That's why I'm telling, love one another. Amen. Pray one another. Don't speak evil one against the other. We are one in Christ. Amen. And the prophet continues, I have that article to save time. That's why you see in Matthew 18, Huh? Then came Peter, Matthew 18, 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I, I forgive him. Till seven times? Peter is asking, how many times? Seven? Jesus saith unto him, I say, un- not, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times. Times seven in a day. 
You are scholars, you make the calculations. <laughs> huh? But let someone sin against you just once. And the second time you'll say, oh, that's too much. <laughs> Until 70 times 7. And Jesus continues, verse 35, he says, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. very strong. You know I love the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many times I'm, let me read. He, he is the source of wisdom. He is the wisdom. The Lord Jesus Christ. Because we need to remember that's why the prophet says in the message Revelation chapter 4 part 2 now the first throne was in heaven. Do you believe it? Judgment seat. The second throne was in Christ. The third throne is in man. Now God is dwelling in you. That's why if God forgives, he'll forgive through you. And the prophet continues in the deity of Jesus Christ. He says, men and women... It's time that we find out who you are. The devil's trying to hide you back. Tell you that you are some little throw, throw down something. You are not. You are sons and daughters of God. The deity is not in heaven. It's in you. When you realize that almighty God lives in you. It's all right. My life, I give Zoe. The life of God is in the human being. You become God's strong. God is forgiving through you. God is loving through you. God is helping through you. Actually, the prophet says he has no hands than your hands. No eyes than your eyes. That's why in Christ, in the revelation, the mystery of God, Christ is the mystery of God revealed. He says... This is the most beautiful quotation to me. He said, the church is the blood of Christ. Is that beautiful? The church is the blood of Christ by the Spirit. Because life is in the blood. Let me repeat it. The church is the blood of Christ. You become the blood of Christ. That's why I was telling you, when you see these brothers here, they are the blood of Christ. They are washing you. We will see when we get, I don't think I'll get to where I wanted to get this morning with my message on the prophet. I'll give you just a little bit of it and let you go. You will see what the prophet says, that's the blood of Christ. That's what washes you. We saw here, Naaman. He went to the prophet. The prophet told him something. Go to that river, wash yourself. It's not the water that took out his leprosy. It wasn't water. It was the words of the prophet. When he obeyed, something happened. 
The blood. It's the word of God. The life that was in that blood. Came back in you. So now when God is forgiving. He's forgiving through you. Your wife does something wrong. Lord forgive. My husband did this. It was wrong. He hurt me. But God forgive. Oh, the church. Do you know your pastor can disappoint you? Do you know also you can disappoint your pastor? But you know, Brother Abraham says, the pastor, spiritually speaking, is the husband of the church. Even in your natural marriages, sometimes you help each other, but you bear with one another. You understand one another. It should be the same in the church, in our spiritual marriage, even though my pastor disappoints me, even though he blames me, I'm not leaving him because he blames me. He loves me, that's why he's blaming me. We must understand that. Our prophet continue. I will skip this one. I'll skip that one. This one I won't skip. Questions and answer. 1954. For the is speaking. Do you think that God Almighty would give me the ministry he's got around like this. With supernatural signs and things which has never been seen since the New Testament. And let me walk in error like that? Certainly not. God cannot use the prophet the way he used them and let them in an error, stay in an error. God doesn't do things like that. To show you what kind of prophet we have received. Actually, our prophet is Elijah, Elijah, isn't it? And what does Elijah mean? Huh? What does Elijah mean? It's your homework. Go find out. Elijah means let's prove that God is God. You'll see that spirit always come when people go astray from God. Now he's coming to bring you back. Usually they have violence. They don't baby you. They don't baby you. Ah, can you come? Can you do this? Listen, brother, brother, his messages are very strong. I'll read a quotation. Sometimes he called people, you jellyfish. You jellyfish. It's like John the Baptist. He was telling me, you snakes. I don't know today if they call you, you a snake. You won't go back to that church anymore. <laughs> you will go forever. He continues, Hebrews chapter 2, chapter 6, part 2. Surely 
God will not give me the ministry he has and let me be in error. And if it wasn't proven by the scripture, then it will be error. But here is the scripture to back it up. That's why I pay attention. I'm reminding you, God has given us a great pastor in this church. Let me read you this quotation before I speak to you about the prophet, and then I will go home. In the mark of the beast, the mark of the beast, everybody, you take a church. The, when that Wesleyan method church was in power, she was power when John Wesley was here. When the pastor of the church is still there, you'll see the church is in power. You'll see fire. The Lutheran was in its day and everyone. But let the founder die and then they go astray. What's well, a warning? When the Lord first appeared back yonder, when they wanted me to start, make an organization on this, so forth like this, I went up here and seen, and seen where Dwight Moody, a great founder of the Moody Bible Institutes. And I thought, I thought, Moody was not a messenger, he was just a pastor, an evangelist. I said, I thought, if Dwight Moody could look up upon the Bible institutes, what that man stood for and what they do now. Well, said, look here, look. If Wesley, Calvin, Knox, Finney, Sankey, and Finney, any of them could raise today and see their church where it's at. Oh my, see, the first round, when the man's standing there, he holds the truth. Look at Dr. Dowie in Zion City. Why? Today they will laugh in the face of divine healing when the city was based upon it. But when Dowie died, then up come what? Black, John Lake, and all of them. Then the first thing you know, it's went out around now till assemblies of gods got into it and a big bunch of formats and everything. And the church is gone and backslid and in a horrible condition. That's where the founder is no more there. You'll see the church, they don't stay with what the founder said. They'll start changing things and so on until God will leave them. They will still have their name. They will still have their church. They will still have all the structure. But the spirit of the Lord, that's what you need to keep in the church. So I found this. The Bible says, David served the Lord well in his generation. Today is my birthday. I forgot to let you know. It's my birthday today, so pray for me. <laughs> the greatest battle ever fought. Here we see the tactics of the enemy, the devil. 
it's always his tactics is to try to get the people to believe God's word. I don't know if you caught that. The tactic for the enemy to make you disbelieve God's word. Listen, you soldiers of the cross. When you disbelieve one word of God's written Bible, you are disarmed. When you doubt, it's done. You are disarmed. You surrender. You jellyfish. Put on the full arm of God. Amen. In the message, the unpardonable sin, sin in its initial form, what is sin? Is to reject the revealed word of God. Sin is to reject the revealed word of God. Or the will of God. When God has revealed something as his will, and to reject that is to blaspheme and to reject God. This is your unpardonable sin. When God gives the revelation to the prophets, and then you reject it, it's done with you. That's why I think I told you last time. I don't know if I told you that. That's why let's stand before the prophetic word. The prophet might say something. You don't understand? Accept it before. First, accept it. I'll give you an example. Pharaoh had a dream. He saw cows. You remember that? Seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. Unfortunately, in that dream, he saw the skinny cows swallowed the fat cows. It was a miracle. How come? He was troubled in his spirit. And they told him, one of the prisoners that Joseph helped to get out of the prison, he said, I remember, oh king, forgive me, I forgot. When I was in prison, someone explained to me my dream, and it came to pass exactly as he said. His name is Joseph. Where is he? In the prison. Go get him. He came. Can you give me the interpretation of my dream? No, I can't. But there is a God in heaven who revealed the secret. He prayed, and he saw the interpretation. What was it? He said, the fat cows, hear me, church. The fat cows, these are years of abundance. The skinny cows, these are years will have nothing. First, we'll have seven years of abundance, and then seven years where there'll be nothing. So I'm advising your king to set up someone that will store food so that the seven years will get nothing, will continue eating. He said, no one else can we take beside yourself. Now, if you were there, the king saw cows, isn't it? Now the prophet comes, 
He tells you they are not cows, they are eels. They are not cows, they are eels. You would have asked him, where is it written in the Bible? You do that, you will starve. You will starve. That's why when the prophet says something, even though you don't understand, just accept it as it is. That's your strength, church. He is the mouthpiece of God. Listen, I'll give you a couple of scriptures. I'm watching over the time. We will finish soon. The ministry will continue on with this. Let's read Matthew chapter 2. Because wherever you read in the Bible, you'll see a prophet there. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. They want to see Jesus. Saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his stars in the east and have are come to worship him. We are coming to worship him because we saw a star. We saw a messenger. Because what Abraham says, Revelation, book of symbols. When Herods, the king, had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. It's strange. They were troubled. Why? And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written, by the prophets, O thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are, are not the least among the princes of Judah. For all out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then he wrote, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Even Herod said, I think that star, that's the secret. The messenger is the secret. For you to find Jesus, the star might guide you there. Even Herod, an unbeliever, he knew the strength of these people is the star. And he sent to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently the young child. And when he had found, bring me word again that I might come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. For you to see Jesus, the messenger must bring you there. That's why, church, I keep quoting the prophets. Because he's the star God has sent us today. 
that will bring us to Jesus Christ. People don't understand. When we say, Brother Branham said, Brother Branham said, they don't understand what we mean. We are not lifting up a man. We are lifting up Jesus Christ who sent the star. I remember. Do you know Brother Gordon Lindsay? He wants to be with Brother Branham in meetings. He wrote a book. I don't know if you have read it. William Branham, a man sent from God. How many have read it? How many know that book exists? Thank you so much. This is what he said at the beginning of his book. I was just reading it, just the first paragraph. Listen. The story of the life of William Branham. Now, this was written in 1950. 1950, before all the fasting that's going on in the message. Way before. And I thank God for that. Because if it were written this year or last year, you'll say because of what's going on, that's why you wrote it. It was written before even some of us were born. And I thank God for that. The story of the life of William Branham is so out of this world and beyond the ordinary that were there not available. A host of infallible proofs which documents and attest its authenticity. One might well be excused for considering it far-fetched and incredible. You will not believe if there weren't witnesses. You will say you exaggerate. It never happened. And the brother says, I'll excuse you when you say that. But we have witnesses. But the facts are so generally known and of such a nature that they can be so easily verified by any sincere investigator that they must stand as God's witness to his willingness and purpose to reveal himself again to man as he once did in the days of the prophets and the apostles. The story of this prophet's life, for he is a prophet, though we infrequently use the term, indeed witnesses to the fact that Bible days are here again. If you are a sincere investigator, sincerity, and that's what God taught Brother Banner, be sincere, otherwise you will kill your brother. So many witnesses. God has visited us in this generation. That's why the prophet is the mouthpiece of God. Let's go to, I think, Jeremiah chapter, third chapter of Jeremiah. I'll read two or three scriptures and then we'll close. Jeremiah. Because last time I read you, there is a difference in between the gift of prophecy and a prophet. A gift of prophecy. It can be on my brother here or my sister there, on that brother there. 
And it's possible in the rest of your life, you'll never prophesy anything. It's God who does it. But a prophet, you are born a prophet. And Brother Branham says, they don't judge a prophet. You never saw people coming when Moses says something, oh, let's check if it's right. We'll go to Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai, to see whether God truly came down. You won't find it. You won't find it. They never did that to Jeremiah, Moses, Ezekiel, John the Baptist. No. But he says, if you prophesy, you are your little gift of prophecy. We must have judges. Two or three. You give your prophecy. And then judges, they must tell us whether it's true or not. If what you say doesn't happen, or it happened 99.9%, it's wrong. The prophet says we need to lay hands on you. It's an evil spirit. But a prophet, you cannot do that. Why? Jeremiah. Listen what Jeremiah said. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anatot, in the land of Benjamin. To whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. In the 13th year of his reign, it came also in the days of Joachim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. You see when that calling takes place? Before I even formed in the belly of your mother, I knew you. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I'm a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. So when you speak, it won't be yourself. You will tell them what I will commend you. You will become my mouthpiece. Be not afraid of their faces. For I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Now, let's look what will happen. Then, the Lord put forth his hand. And touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build, and to plant. 
what you will say will build what you say also can destroy. That's why you saw our prophets. One day, God told him, be careful. There is a trap set for you. He was preaching one of the states of New England. I think it was in New Hampshire. Be careful. There is a trap set for you. And he came to church. He said, pray for me. There is a trap set for me. Pray for me so when it happens, I will say the right thing. You know, that quotation helps me a lot, even when I'm dealing with my wife, to be careful what you say. Because sometimes you can get into a trap. And when Satan is coming to the trap, usually when the situation is hot, in between a husband and a wife, you'll start saying things that you will not say in your right mind. There is a trap set for you. Be careful, Jeremiah. I'm putting my words in your mouth. You can build, you can also destroy. Because what you'll say is my word. That's why you'll see Elisha, when little children were following up, you, old men and so on, he said something that destroyed. Because what he was saying, it was God in him. Everything he said, God was fulfilling it. I put my words in your mouth. Now you become my mouthpiece. Your government in Canada, they also have, you call them ministry here. In the States, there are departments. Usually, they have the speaker man or speaker woman of the first minister. You have them here in Canada, isn't it? It's not the first minister who comes out, or this is what we'll do. This is what we'll do. No, usually you don't see them. They have the meeting in the room, and then the speaker man, the speaker woman, they'll come out, and they'll tell you this is what we decided. This is what. Don't say, no, you are lying. <laughs> You'll be foolish. You weren't there. You remember in the time, time of Queen Esther, Right? The queen made a mistake. The queen, Vachi, they had to dismiss her. And the king said, I have seven wise men. You know, I love the mathematics of the Bible. Seven. Why seven? Seven messengers. Because God was hiding a secret for the bride in the Bible. Seven wise men, they were sitting with the king. Before the king decide, these seven must say, okay, king, I think that's right. I think that's right. That's right. And if you look at the seventh one, who knows the name? He has a name with seven letters. He is the one who told the king, what the queen did is not good. Lord, this is what you're going to do. And the king did it. His name, I think it was Memukan. And read Memukan, seven letters, that name. 
He was the servant. The servant messenger. What the king did is the advice of one of his servants. That's why you'll see Brother Abraham says, it's not the Lord. It's me. And you'll see the Lord will sanction that. The Lord will accept it. Because a prophet is the mouthpiece of God. Let me read you the last scripture. Ezekiel 37. The power of the words of a prophet. There is some power in the words of a prophet. Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. It's like you and me. That's the way the Lord found us. Before we came to this message, we were just bones, spiritually speaking. Even though you are fat, you were just bones, spiritually speaking. And caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in open valley. And lo, they were very dry. Many bones, but they were very dry. And he said unto me, son of man. I don't have time. I have my scripture there. I wanted to explain to you the son of man. What does it mean? Because Jesus promised. And Brother Branham says, he is coming according to his promises. He is not coming back according to what we think. He said, when the son of man comes, and we know the son of man is a prophet. He had to come back in the form of a prophet. In our day. God is calling Ezekiel son of man. A prophet. Son of man. Can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, prophesy upon these, these bones. Speak to them. Because I have put my words in your mouth. You can create. Now speak. And said unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of God, of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones. It's not the Lord who was speaking. God is asking the prophet the question, can this bone live? Lord, you know. The Lord commands, prophesy. Now the prophet says, bones, hear the word of the Lord. A man is talking, but he's telling to the bone, what you are hearing, these are God's words. That's what a prophet is. Behold, you bones, I. It's like the prophet who's talking, but it's God in the prophet. I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you. And ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. If you are standing there, this man is saying he is the Lord. 
He must be a mad person. That's why we saw the eunuch was asking the question, who the prophet is talking about? Because the prophet is talking in the first, uh, how do you pronounce? Person. I, I. Who the prophet is talking about? Himself or about someone else? Here we see Ezekiel is saying, I, I. He even said, you all know that I am the Lord. If you are standing there, he will be confused. He say, oh, why he says that? He's a false prophet. Try that. You will see. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon, up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, why the Lord is not talking himself? It's very simple. Lord, just talk to your bones. Why you keep going to the prophet? He said unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, that saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon this land that they may live. Everything is going to the prophets. But Abraham says, when God does something the first time, he will do the same every time and over and over and over. The prophet is the mouthpiece of God. The prophet is the grace of God to you. So I prophesied, and he commanded me, and he breathed, and the breath came unto them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. The prophetic word. That's why I told you last time, listen to that voice. Listen to that voice. No matter how tired I am, when I put that voice, at some point, my hands will go up. You will receive a strength in prayer. You will overcome sin because the one who was talking to that man, it wasn't Brother Branham. It was the Lord Jesus himself. Let me finish with this. Oh, my God. I didn't have time to show you that it is the prophet that will dress you. He will dress you so you can hide your past appearance. I'll read to you the last scripture. Second King chapter 4, we'll finish with that. Do you love him, my brothers and my sisters? I thank God for the prophet. 
Our pastor was telling me, Brother Biscol was telling me, Brother Neville, if Brother Branham has met you, he would have loved you. I said, oh my goodness. Thank you, my pastor. I told him I love it to hear that. Because God told Brother Branham, those who have loved you and those who you have loved, God has given them to you here. 2 Kings chapter 4. The prophet is God's grace to you. The prophet is a blessing to you. Now, they cried a certain woman or a church of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. Something happened in that family. They were going through difficult times. They had debts. Now, the creditor is coming. Okay, give me your two children. They will become bondmen. And we see that woman where he would go. Because what Abraham says, spiritual people, usually they consult the prophet in anything they do. Can I hear an amen? Spiritual people, they consult the prophet in everything that they do. That's why you see David, before he even built the temple, he went to prophet Nathan, I want to build the temple, what God says. The woman went to the prophets. That church consulted the prophets. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Why he didn't go to the Lord? Why he's going to the prophet? He said, Tell me, what hast thou in the house? The prophet is asking, What do you have? And she said, Thine handmaid had no. Not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. Then he said, go, borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. When a prophet tells you, obey. (laughs) He said, don't borrow just a few barrels. Fill your house with barrels. And when thou art coming, thou shalt shut the door open, thee, and upon thy sons, and shall pull out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is for. Now the prophet is telling that woman, go, because when you receive the prophet, it's not only your affair, it becomes a family affair. Even your children... They must do something. They must obey what the prophet said. For the blessing to become evident in the family. The prophet is telling her, go to your house. Take your children. Avoid any distraction. Close the door. And start filling up the vessels. 
and then take those that are empty. The prophet didn't tell him, you will see, all of them will be full. No. Just take the ones that are full, put them aside. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons. It's a family affair. Salvation is also a family affair, my brothers and my sisters. Who brought the vessels to her? Even the children, they were walking with the parents. It wasn't mommy's working there. The children, they are somewhere on WhatsApp. The rest of the family, they are praying there. And the other children, I don't know where they, were, they are. These sons were there. Mommy, this is the next vessel. And mommy is pouring. It's full. Oh, mommy, you cannot displace that one. We are still strong. We can help you. The other brothers hold there. And the other one decide to place it there. Okay, bring another one. The family is working for their salvation. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, there is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God. She didn't say, oh, I'm rich now. That man, goodbye. No. She went back to say, thank you. And he told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, and pay thy debt, and leave thou and thy children of the rest. Maybe some of you have debts. These stories are the truth. You need to go before the Lord. Tell them, no matter the situation you go through, Lord, look what happened when a woman obeyed the words of your prophets. You know, at some point, we need to challenge God. I have a big brother in the hospital. I was coming from Africa. He has a heart issues. I went to pick him up so he can get some care in the United States. I returned from Africa on Thursday. My daughters, they are nurses. They took him to the hospital. He was admitted. I was in the airport coming here. I was even about to call Brother Tom, Brother Tom, forgive me, I cannot come. But something told me, you need to challenge God. I told God, I'm going to serve you. Take care of my brother. I will see what will happen. This morning, my children called me, Dad, he's doing fine. He's very well. He's in the hos- still in the hospital. He's doing well. he's, we are not serving a dead God, friends. These stories are the truth. We need to challenge him. This is what the woman did, just obeying the words of the prophets. He got a lot of money. He paid her debts, and then she still had money she was living with. Can't God do the same to you? There are so many stories in the Bible. I have another one. We'll keep it for another time. Remember that woman. 
He was so kind to the prophet. Every time Elisha was going by, she told her husband, that man that goes by, it's a good man. I saw God is with him. Let's build him a room in our house. So every time he goes by, he can come by and rest a bit and go by. Her husband didn't say, see what I was telling you. You are an infidel woman. You are not faithful to me. You want to bring me a new man in my own house. No. They knew he was a man of God. They built him a house, furnished bedroom. Every time he was going by, sleeping there, maybe praying. One day, Elisha asked Gehazi, his servant, go ask that woman why she has been so kind to us. What can we do? Should we talk to the king for her? Does she need money? The prophet said, the prophet was testing him to see if he was doing it because he wanted some benefits. And the woman said, no, I'm living among my people. I have everything that I need. I don't need anything from you. And Gehazi said, Elisha, it seems she doesn't have children. The prophet said, call her. Because of what she did to the prophet, the prophet told her, that saved the Lord, you'll have a child. And she got a child. It wasn't the end of it. A trial came in. Death took her child. But look at the attitude of that woman when he went to Elisha. He said, Lord, did I tell you, don't give me false hope. Now look what happened. Okay, Gehazi, go. Go with the woman. Put my uh, stick upon the child, or my staff. He will raise up. The woman said, if you don't go, I'm not going. But the Branham says, Elisha was the absolute of that woman. Because a prophet is the absolute. Do you believe it? Because when a prophet speaks, that's it. That's servants. And we, we, we know, all of us, what happened at the end of the day. When Elisha came, the child raised up. Let me finish. Church order. My wife keeps telling me, why do you say I'm reading the last scripture? I'm reading the last quotation. Don't say that. Before you, because you don't keep your, your words. <laughs> I told her, forgive me. I said, okay, I forgive you, but last, next time, don't say that. <laughs> so forgive me also. Church order. But the problem says, Now, I'm not trying to usurp authority or something like that. But you see, a man or anything with two heads to it, it doesn't know how to go. God never did have two heads to his church. 
That's why we have the pastor. He's the head of the church. He never did. It's one head. He always dealt in every generation. As we've studied through the scriptures, there's always one individual he deals with. Because you get two men, you got two opinions. It's got to come to one final absolute. And my absolute is the word, the Bible. And as a pastor here of the church, my absolute is the word. Now, listen. And I know you, brothers, you kind of look to me to be your absolute. As long as I follow God, as Paul said in the scripture, you follow me as I follow Christ. That's why the prophet says something that settles. Because the prophet said in absolute, it's like when people are playing soccer, the empire, if he said struck, it's struck. Well, even though you are the best player, if you keep talking to the empire, you will kick out of the field. And nobody will defend you, even though you have a million fans sitting there clapping for you. As soon as the empire said, out of the field, you will go out. Because the absolute said, you are out. That's why we love the prophets. So when the prophet says something, we stay on that. And the devil will never overcome you. May God bless you, church of God. Shall we stand? Brother Ryan, I had a song in my mind. Let me see what song it is. A wonderful church. May God bless you. A vessel of honor. I am today. He is the potter. I am the clay. That's why I'm asking him today to break me. To make me into his own image. The image of God. Is Brother Rande, can you give us the call? You don't know the song? He is the potter, I am the clay. sing another one. So glad I'm yours, Lord. So glad I'm yours, Lord. That's why you have revealed to me a prophet. That's why you have revealed to me the message of the hour. I say thank you, Lord. I'm so glad. It's more than money. It's more than life itself what God has done to us. 
Let's sing his prayer fully. And if you want, you can raise up our hands and worship him. What a mighty God we serve. to thank you this afternoon for your word for the message of the hour for the prophet you have sent unto us Elijah the prophet dear Lord Jesus I'm coming father with your children Oh Lord, how to thank you. How to say thanks. Because what you have done for us in this generation is more than life. It's more than money. It's more than riches. It's more than everything. Lord, you have opened up our eyes. Now we can see the fulfillment of your word, oh Lord. And that's why, oh God, at the end of the service, we are coming to you to thank you. And your prophet said, oh Lord, the best way to say thank you is to commit our life to you. Won't you receive it, oh God? Father God, merciful God, you are the great God. There is no God like you. Oh, our God. Won't you receive us, Father? We worship you this afternoon. Bless your people. Bless the church. Bless, oh God, our pastor. Bless the rest of the ministry. Oh, Father. Keep us rooted in this message. Let it become, oh God. A revelation. We want to be established on the rock of ages. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Father God, we commit all into your hands. You know the needs of your people, no matter what it is. Lord, we have so many examples in your Bible. Every time, oh God, people honor your prophets. 
you always honor them. Won't you bless your children? As we have raised up our hands, O oh God, before you, that means we have needs. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, I'm asking you as your servant to bless your children. Don't let their hands go down without receiving, oh God, the reason for which they raise them up. We thank you, Father, because you always hear our prayers. Thank you, Father. Won't you bless the rest of the week? We are your prisoners. We are your servants. Do with us, so God, as you see fit. We thank you, great master of life. We love you, Jesus. Again, bless our pastor. Bless Brother Visco. Thank you for such, such a wonderful man of God you have given us. Strengthen him, O oh God. Be with the church. Be with the ministry. We want to keep this church spiritual. You know what a blessing the church is. Not only here in Canada, but for the rest of the world. You cannot raise up something, Lord, and let it down afterwards. You said, I have planted it, I have watered it, and I'll watch over it day and night. May you keep the church, O oh God, on your hand. Grant it, O oh Father. May you heal our sick bodies. We have loved ones that are sick. Remember them, O oh God. May you heal them for the glory of your name. Guide us in everything that we do. In the name which is above all names, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray, Father. Amen. May God bless your church, Brother Tom. You're to receive a present. Is that true? On your birthday, you're normally expecting a present. But on this birthday, you gave us a present. Thank you, Brother Neville. I could start preaching right now. Of whom speaketh the prophet, of himself or another? Brother Ram said, a man behind the pulpit, a preacher is a prophet. So whom speaketh the preacher, of himself or of another? Was that Brother Neville or was that God? Really, it's profound. Some of you missed a lot, but I hope you go back to the message. A lot of us. The scripture says in Proverbs 4 and 13, take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go, keep her, for she is thy life. Very important. The Holy Spirit was going throughout the, this little assembly, dealing with situations beyond the thoughts of man. 
Because the word still goes out and heals the people. And so what we heard this morning was the word of the Lord. And you say, well, that, that part didn't have any, that didn't really speak to me. Well, God was dealing individually to maybe another part of the body. And when one rejoices, we all rejoice. So I want you to know I'm rejoicing in the word of God this morning. And I thank the Lord for what God put on Brother Neville's heart. To come this way with leaving his brother in a hospital. Coming here on his birthday. Ministering from his heart. And we were the recipients of that word. There shouldn't be one of us that's not thankful to the Lord for the man of God this morning. And to that we give God all the honor, glory, and praise. Amen. Thank you once again, Brother Neville. Thank you. Amen. I know that there was a lot of hay on that fork. I was watching those notes as he was passing by. Remember, he spoke how many messages? <laughs> Next, we'll get part three of the 50, I'm sure. And we'll enjoy it just as much. Well, have we gone back or are we in the absolute? They, I think they wrote that song, We're Going Back. But aren't we there? We're here. I, so, you know, we've been changing songs a lot lately. And this is one that needs to be changed because one of your closing comments, Brother Neville, that the prophet is our absolute because he absolutely pointed us to Jesus Christ. I think we need to sing that before we go. Is that okay? All right. You help me out, brother. Whatever happened, yeah, you can help me on this part. Whatever happened till death to us part does the whole reflect the heart? Parents' faces tell a worried mind while children search but can't seem to find.
just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, it is so true. It's so true, Lord. We've heard your word this morning, and our hearts are indeed stirred. To see how the Holy Spirit went from situation to situation. Lord, we marvel at the hand of God. Not looking at the veil of a man, but looking inside the veil and saying it was the Holy Spirit speaking to the church of the living God this morning. So, Father, I pray that you will watch over our precious brother Neville. Lord, as he will journey back heavy in heart regarding his brother. But I pray, Lord, that you'll give him such a confidence and peace that all is in your divine care. Lord, would you go with each and every one as we rejoice and ponder on the things that we've heard this morning. May the word of God find a great entrance to every life this morning. We love you. We thank you for each one. Bless your children as they make their way home. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Greet one another, saints of God. God be with you. God strengthen you. I'm sure you've been fed off the master's table this morning. God bless you.